Welcome to the Encounter Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this week's message. I love you so much. I just want to say happy birthday to my husband, the love of my life, my best friend. Come on, I I can't say enough about him. It's just amazing how he treats me. If you don't know, women are responders. Say it, say it. Women are responders, and if you treat us right, we want to respond to you right. And it's just, some women are, you better do it because I said so, I'm going to tear this house down. You know, no, that don't never work. But my husband has never been like that. He's always been just a sweetheart, and um, I'll just tell you. how. Thank you, baby. Thank you. Happy Grandmother's Day, too, he said to me. My daughter-in-law, Annika, is pregnant over there, so we're excited. It's my daughter. And my son, Deuce, is here, and I'm just so excited to be here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and dive into this word today, but happy Mother's Day, all the mothers. Afterwards, we're going to have some cake. Please do not leave me with all this cake that we got for Pastor Steve's birthday. So you have, please, just go right into the, the next room over here and get some cake before you leave and head to your cars today. And then we're going to, at the end of the service, we're going to bless the mothers. And if you're a mother here, we're going to ask you to get in line. We're going to just pray for you, and everyone is going to get a gift today. And I want to thank my sister, Kalila, and uh, my um, Julie. Julie, I don't know where Julie is, but they did a lot of work on these gifts, so I'm excited about these gifts. So... Amen. Both Ashley's help. Thank you so much. Thank you. So the title of my sermon this morning is Solomon, a Mother's King. Our text this morning is taken from 1 Kings chapter 3. Um, I hope to answer some questions this morning of why God may have chose Solomon. Why did God choose Solomon to be the wisest, richest man in the world? It was something that he chose him, and he was abundantly blessed. Why did he bless Solomon above everyone else? I began to ponder this question this last week and ask God, why did, would you choose him to be the richest, most powerful man in the world at the time? And we will learn from Solomon's life, and we will also learn from a case that Solomon judged. It was a case with two mothers, and he judged this case that only came from God. The wisdom that he had could only come from God. So we're going to, the youth is going to help me a little bit later on. So we're going to learn these things and, and it's going to teach us in the values of what a true mother is. So Solomon, we know, we know that Solomon walked with God's law. There were times when he failed God and he asked for forgiveness. But Solomon, Solomon wasn't like this ordinary man. Normally, if you sin, you know, every, every, every uh, month, whatever it was, they would take a lamb and they would you know, presented on the altar, and they were burned in the place of them, and, you know, those burnt offerings were called sin offerings. So Solomon, we know, he had to go all out. He was like, God, I want you to see I messed up. Instead of just bringing one lamb, Solomon, Solomon would just bring a thousand, a thousand burnt offerings. He said, God, I want you to see me. It wasn't that Solomon was particularly wicked. It was just that he wanted God to see his sacrifice. He says, God, you may be asking for one. You may be asking for 10, but I'm going to give you a thousand percent. I want you to know that I messed up and I'm sorry. So we look at Solomon's heart this morning and we need to follow suit. In John chapter one, we can put that up there. Verse six through seven. If we say that we have fellowship with him 
and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light and he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. So Solomon offered two kinds of sacrifice to God. He offered a righteous life to God, and he offered burnt offerings to God. When you messed up, he was the first to say, you know what, I blew it. You know, I just, I just wish we could be like that. Instead of just acting like we got it all together. You know, the truth is, is I'm a prophet and I know anyway. But a lot of times people will be like, oh yeah, I got it all together. Okay, all right, but that's wonderful. That's great. Because I learned, you know, not, you can't be like, you lying, you know. You call me a liar? No, I, I, can't, I can't do it. But you know, Solomon, he offered two kinds of sacrifices. A righteous life and burnt offerings. His actions were motivated by the love that he had for the Lord. Solomon's desire was to please God. He wanted to have a close relationship with God like his father David did. So God expects us to live the same way. He doesn't want us just to come to church on Sundays and just to be dedicated to him one day of the week. God wants us to be dedicated to him every day of the week. He asks us to be his disciples, followers of him. And right there in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, it says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Because of the way Solomon lived, God came to him in a dream. And I thought about if God came to you in a dream and he asked you this specific question, he said to you, basically handing you a blank check and says, what do you want? What do you ask of me? Think about this with me. Think about this question. How many of us would have said, I want a superpower. I can fly. I want riches. I want fame. Oh, you know what, God? Kill my enemies just to do that for me. I know none of y'all would have probably did, but, you know, some people I know. But he asked Solomon this in a dream. And Solomon didn't ask for any of those things. Listen to what Solomon asked for. Solomon, he chose wisdom. So God gave Solomon a choice. Here in 1 Kings, look at that, in 1 Kings chapter 3 and 5. At Gideon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, ask, what shall I give you? Think about it. What would be your response? And Solomon said, you have shown great mercy to your servant David, my father. Because he walked before you in truth and righteousness and in uprightness of heart with you, you have continued his great kindness for him, and you have given him a son to sit on his throne as it is this day. So Solomon responds. He responds. I didn't lost my place. Here we go. So here it is, he says, okay, um, you, you, you've given him a, a son. So Solomon offered his life to God. He walked in obedience to God. He, he, 
his, he walked in obedience to God's word. I was thinking about this. How much do I walk in obedience to God's word? Do I walk in obedience to God's word when it's convenient for me? Or do I always walk? God, I want to walk in obedience to God's word. He also dealt with his sin by, by offering sacrifices as a result of the Lord. Made a generous offer to Solomon. God gives the best gifts to those who are devoted to him. God, am I devoted to you? Why did you choose Solomon? So God loves to give blessings to his children. But often our sin keeps him from doing this. Can we be trusted? Can I be trusted? So we ask ourselves, are we living for the Lord or are we living for ourselves? Are we obeying God's word? Are we doing what we want to do? Are you living the kind of life that God can bless? Solomon requests the Lord. This is what he said. Solomon responds to God's offering with a beautiful prayer. I love this prayer. Because you can find thanksgiving in this prayer. You can find humility in this prayer. You can find thoughtfulness in this prayer. 1 Kings chapter 3 and verse 6, it says, And Solomon said, You have shown great mercy to your servant David, my father, because he walked before you in truth and righteousness and in uprightness of heart with you. You have continued this great kindness for him, and you have given him a son to sit on the throne, and it is this day. And Solomon began by thanking the Lord for showing mercy unto his father, David. Solomon knew very well that God had blessed his father. He knew that the Lord had enabled him to walk uprightly. So Solomon thanked God for his mercy and thanked God for his kindness. Thank God for his family. You know, you wonder why in the world are they singing those songs? Why are they worshiping so long? Because you can't Thank God enough for what he's done for you. You got to have, you got to come into his presence with thanksgiving. You got to come into his courts with praise. You got to say, God, thank you. You know, if my husband came home and all I was doing was just, babe, you know, you forgot to take out the garbage. Babe, you forgot to do this. You didn't do that. You didn't do that. Nag, nag, nag. He wouldn't want to come home. I'm just trying to help y'all out, ladies. But if, if he came home and I was like, baby, you look so good. You smell so good. Oh, man. Man. Man, I love you. <laughs> baby, you forgot to take out the garbage, but that's okay. I went ahead and took it out. You know what he's going to do? He's going to remember to take out the garbage the next time. You know what I'm saying? It's just the way, you, way we say stuff, not you, us. Amen. The way we say stuff. Solomon knew how to thank the Lord. He was very thankful. So Solomon began and thanked the Lord and thanked the Lord for his family. Now the Lord had continued the same mercy to Solomon and God had promised David, David that one of his sons would, would sit on the throne and it was Solomon. And Solomon was like, God, thank you. So grateful, God. So grateful. A lot of people can't be grateful because they're so focused on themselves. Uh. But we can learn a lot from Solomon's prayer. When we come before the throne of grace, let us first thank God. Let us enter his gates with thanksgiving and enter his courts with praise. And let us be like, woo! 
That's why, Pastor Portia, why are you so excited? Because you don't know how good God's been to me. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know that I almost died. You don't know that God raised my sister from the dead a few times. You don't know that when I pray that God answered me, I'm so thankful, God. I'm so grateful. Psalms 103, 1 through 4. Psalms 103, 1 through 4. It says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who's, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercy. Oh, my God. I read this story of ingratitude. I, I want to read this to you. This, this just shocked me. I said, I've got to read this. So it says, many years ago, a boat was wrecked in a storm on Lake Michigan at Evanston, Illinois. Students from Northwestern University formed themselves into a rescue team. One student, Edward Spencer, saved 17 people from the sinking ship. And when he was carried exhausted to his room, he asked, did I do my best? Do you think I did my best? Years later, R.A. Torrey was talking about his, this incident at a meeting in Los Angeles. And the man in the audience called out, Edward Spencer was present. So Dr. Torrey invited Spencer to come up to the platform. Here he is now, an old man with white hair, slowly climbed the steps, and applause rang out. Dr. Torrey asked him if anything in particular stood out in his memory that day. Only, sir, he replied, that of the 17 people I saved, not one of them thanked me. So let us be grateful. Let us not be ungrateful to God for saving us. Let us thank him often for his benefits. In 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 7 and 8, it says, it says, Now, O Lord, my God, you have made your servant king instead of my father David, but I am a little child. I do not know how to go out or to come in, and your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen, a great people, too numerous to be numbered or counted. So the second thing that Solomon did and that he had, the character that he had, the second thing was that Solomon was a humble man. You see that in verse 7, 8, and 9. He called himself a servant of God. He knew, you know, sometimes you have to, preachers, preachers get mad at you if you don't call them by their title. My dad, he used to just get it all in one. Hey, bishop, preacher, pastor, uh, evangelist, you know, because he just was scared he was going to mess up, you know, because people can get so offended. But Solomon just was like, I'm just your servant, God. Huh. So 7, 8, and 9, he calls himself, and he knew that the Lord personally, personally, he knew the Lord personally because he called him. He called him my God. 
See, it's something that is not, it's not just, you know, it, you got to get from the place where it's not just Pastor Stephen and Portia's job, God, or their God, but, it, but it's my God. It's my Jesus that I worship. It's my Jesus that I love. It's my Jesus that I adore. It's my Jesus that I will praise. It's my, you, you got to get to that place. He's mine now. He's no longer my mother or my father. So a long time I would live off my mother's and father's salvation. Then I had to say, God, I want to know you for myself. And see, that's what Solomon did. He said, I want to know you like, like my dad knew you, like David knew you. I want to know you for myself. So he recognized God's sovereignty all. He recognized God's sovereignty of overall. The Lord had master. Solomon was but a servant, but Solomon was not too proud to admit his weaknesses. One thing I love about my husband is that if he messes up, I'm just going to give you out. Should I give him the secret, bay to the men? If he messes up, he, he'll low look me. You know, he won't be like. He'll low look me. You know what I'm saying? And I can't help but love him. Be like, dang it, I can't stay mad at him. Dang it. Because he'll low look me and be like, babe, you know, I'm sorry I messed up. Would you forgive me? He's not, he's not a proud man where he can't admit that he made a mistake. Who here has, look, you're going to be shocked at this. Who here has ever made a mistake? Oh, my goodness. For y'all that didn't raise your hand, I'm going to pray for you for lying afterwards. That's all right. Come on up. Every single one of us has made mistakes. And we got to be quick to say, like Solomon, I am sorry I messed up. So Solomon, so he knew the ruling of God's people was great task. He knew that he didn't have it all. That's why he said, God, I'm just a child. I'm just a child. And in 1 Peter 5, 56, 5 through 6, it says, likewise, you got that? Likewise, you younger people, submit yourself to your elders. All of you, be submissive to one another and be clothed in humility. For God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Man, I could just stay here and preach on this for an hour, but I'm not because we don't have no time. But I'm just saying, we got to humble ourselves. He shows us that as the king. He knew how to humble himself before God. So we know the greatest of all is Jesus. The greatest of all is Jesus. And he said this. He declared that he had come not to be, to, to, to be uh, you know, over us, but to, to, you know, to make us do this, but basically to serve. He declared it. He gives his life for ransom for all of us. What an act of humility. Another thing, the third thing, is Solomon was thoughtful. In Kings chapter 3 and 9, it says, Therefore, give to your servants an understanding heart to judge. Now listen to what Solomon is asking for. He said, God, I don't... He said, I, I, I'm not asking for riches. I'm not asking for fame. I'm not asking for, you know, uh, for a superpower. I'm not asking for all this. I just want to judge your people. I want to do what you're giving me, I want to use for you. Man, I want you to see this. What I'm asking for is to be used for you. God, if you want to bless me, I'm going to use it for you. Oh, come on. 
It says, therefore, give to your servant an understanding heart to judge your people that I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to judge this great people of yours? He knew that he couldn't do it without God's help. He humbled himself. He humbled himself. So what does Solomon choose? He asked for spiritual blessings rather than material things. Mm. He seeks to please God, not himself. His request will benefit the nation, not just himself. Solomon requested wisdom to rule well. He wanted to execute justice in Israel according to God's law. Solomon knew that human wisdom is not sufficient when it comes to leading God's people. He asked the Lord to grant to him spiritual discernment to rule justly. I said, God, you know what I was reading this? I was like, God, I don't just want to be the pastors of this church in my own wisdom. I don't want to do things that we did before that worked before. God, I want, I want to be led by your spirit. I want your wisdom. I want, to be, I want you to lead me and guide me. I'm just a child. I don't know. I need you, God. We need you, God. So we asked the Lord to grant him spiritual discernment, to rule justly. And Solomon chose choice, revealed his heart. It was his heart. Solomon valued that spiritual things over material things. Proverbs tells us that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So Solomon pursued this. You know, Abraham Lincoln, he once said, I have been driven many times to my knees by overwhelming conviction. Abraham Lincoln. He said, I have been driven many times to my knees by overwhelming conviction that I had nowhere else to go. My wisdom and that of all about me seemed insufficient for the day. I have been driven many times to my knees by overwhelming conviction that I had nowhere else to go. Why do we get on our knees? God, I humble myself before you. Your thoughts are higher than my thoughts. Your ways are higher than my ways. So Solomon started his prayer with thanksgiving, and he thanked God for mercies. He had shown his family. He presented his prayer humbly before the Lord as a servant of God, and then he acknowledged his insufficiency for the great task. Then he asked God to give him wisdom so that he might lead well. Do we pray that way? So God longs for us to make our request to him. Pastor Portia, God is not really answering my prayers. What are you praying for? Are you praying so that everybody, everybody can see how rich I am? Is that going to make you happy? Are you praying, God, I want to do what you want me to do. 
I want this gift so that I can give back to you, so that I can make you shine. So God responds in 1 Kings chapter 3, 10 through 11. Amen. It says, the speech pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. Then God said to him, because you have asked this thing and have not asked long life for long life or for yourself or have asked for riches for yourself, nor have you asked for the life of your enemies. When I read this, I, I, I know this is shocking, but I remember one time I was in prayer and I, was, I went to six o'clock morning prayer and it was this lady behind me praying this horrible prayer. I mean, she was like, get them, bust their bubble, kill them, God. I was like, what in the world is going on here? <laughs> how you want people to pray for you, that's how you got to pray for other people. I'm, I'm going to say that again. How you want people to pray for you, that's how you need to pray for other people. Do you want mercy? Do you want grace? Maybe it's just me. I mean, I, I need it. I need it because I know how I mess up. And I need God's mercy and I need his grace. So God longs for us to do this. So God was pleased with, with Solomon's request. He was pleased with him. And it says that Solomon had asked this thing that God said to him, because you have asked these things and have not asked for long life for yourself, not asked for all this stuff, about kill your enemies or nothing like that, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern justice. So God was pleased with Solomon's request. What is the motive behind what we pray for? Hmm. So God was impressed with Solomon's prayer. And God listed those things again for Solomon. And then God does something that shocks everyone. He says, you know what? I'm going to bless you anyway. Because you asked for the right thing. Because your motive was right and what you asked for. He says, I'm going to give you something more. He said, I'm going to go ahead. And I'm looking at verse, in, 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 uh, 1 Kings 3 to 12. Behold, I have done according to your word. See, I have given you a wise and understanding heart so that there has not been anyone like you before you, nor shall there be after you. There's not going to be nobody like you after you to come. It's only one Solomon. So God gave Solomon what he asked for, and he gave it abundantly and the Lord gave Solomon wisdom I mean abundant wisdom so God equipped him with the wisdom to rule but he didn't limit Solomon's wisdom for just justice Solomon was the man to go through about agriculture about science about I mean anything People came and sought Solomon he was literally the wisest man that ever lived first Kings 429 through 34. We won't read it. It's a long verse, but it just simply says what I just said. Then God <laughs> gave Solomon. He gave him wealth. He gave him honor. First Kings chapter 3, 13 through 14. And I have also given you what you have asked for. Look at this. Both riches and honor so that there shall not be anyone like you among the kings all your days. So if you walk in my ways. Now this is the only condition right here. Yeah, yeah. It says, if 
You walk in my ways to keep my statutes and my commandments. I'm going to do something else for you. I'm going to let you live a long time. God, I want to walk in your ways. So because Solomon desired wise, be a wise servant of God, that he, and he wanted to please God, and he wanted to, you know, he wanted the wisdom of God, and he didn't ask for those things, God basically gives Solomon riches and honor, abundance, more than he could ever ask or think. You know that God wants to give you more than you can ask or think? There wasn't a king like Solomon all of his days. And when people put spiritual blessings before spiritual ones, before material ones, material ones, sorry, spiritual blessings before material ones, God, he often gives material ones too. So God does this because he knows that they can be trusted with wealth. Can God trust you? Is it that the reason why God does not bless some of us with things is because he knows how we act when we get them? Just wondering, you know, oh, see, see, see how they was, see how they treated me. I'm gonna get them, <laughs> I'm gonna buy their house from them out from under them. Just let them be outside, just let them be outside on the street because what they did. God looks at the heart, God looks at the heart of people, and He looked and He saw that Solomon had a right heart. It says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, it says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all things will be added unto you. Could it be that the reason why God does not give us some of these things is because we are seeking first these things instead of seeking him first? Could it be that he wants us to seek first him I remember I was tested. We had done pretty good. God had blessed us financially. And here it was, my husband and I, we were doing really well uh, financially. And we had took out a second on our house. This is all before the stock market crash. I remember that? Remember all that? And then all of a sudden, here we were. Boom. Everything flipped upside down. And we didn't have no money at all. And here it was, we were about to get kicked out of our house, and they were sending foreclosure notices, and we couldn't believe it. And I remember God asked me a question. He said to me, he said, if you get kicked out of this house, would you still worship me? Would you still worship me? And I said, God, if I had to live in a tent on the side of the road, I'll still worship you because you're still good, because you're still worthy. Of course, God flipped that whole situation around but, and turned it all around for me. But I remember singing out a song. What was that song, babe? It was a song that I wrote in that moment, you are my more than enough. You are my more than enough. Jesus, you're my deliverer, my God, and my Savior, you are my more than enough. You are my more than enough, more than the world to me, more than anyone. 
midst of the storm. You are my peace. And in times of war, my victory, Jehovah Jireh, you're my provider, El Shaddai, my supplier, you are my more than enough, you are my more than enough. And yes, he is. All I can say is God showed up and we obviously didn't get kicked out. Thank you, Lord. So the Lord also promised Solomon long life. He promised if he would obey his commandments and walk in his statutes. His statutes, come on. Solomon needed to continue the way he had started in his life. So in James chapter 1, 5, and 6, it says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to him, to gives to all liberally. If you ask him. Father, I need your wisdom in this matter. I can't do it. You know when we mess up, we just do it ourselves? I mean, who's messed up before because you just didn't even ask God about it? Right. Only me, thank God. It's been a few of us. So I'm telling you, I have messed up. If I didn't say, God, what about this situation? I never forget some years ago, something really horrible had happened. And um, a person that was leading this situ over this situation didn't stop. He was in a state of panic about the situation, in a state of panic. So he said, do this, do this, do this, do this. You know what it taught me? Don't make major decisions in the storm. Wait and say, God, what are you saying? I'm going to pray. I'm going to seek your face about this until I get an answer. I need wisdom from on high about this. I can't do it by myself. So it says, if anyone lacks lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him, but let him ask in faith without doubting. What does that mean to ask in faith? It means simply this, when you, God, please, please, God, you ain't in faith. This is faith. That's faith right there. You don't know what's going on in that person's life. You don't know what's happening, but this is not faith. No, that ain't faith. I'm just going to tell you. Man, I could talk on that all day. I better stop. Let me go on. I got too much to go. I got too much to go. I got the kids waiting. Come on. So we have talked about some of the reasons why God chose Solomon. And we're going to go here in 1 Kings, and now we're going to look now at a case that Solomon judged he judged this case and we're going to get out the values of what a true mother is from the way that Solomon judged this case come on help me real quick Stephen in first Kings chapter 3 we are told that two women came before the king Solomon, to ask him to judge and render a decision. We are told in this passage that they are not, there's no other witnesses in this situation. It's just these two women and their testimony before the king. Can I get it? I'll get this chair. All right, come on out. All of my teens are coming. Help me right now. So.
Here's Solomon, he's coming down the aisle right now with his long robe and all of his splendor and, and all of his majesty. Come on, come on, give Solomon a hand. I think it's important to note that this is way before DNA testing. So the both of us live in a house together. We live by ourselves, so there are no witnesses. But what I'm going to say is the truth. In the middle of the night, I woke up to see my baby laying there, lifeless. But when the sun came up and I put my baby into the light, I saw that it was not my baby. It was her baby. She put her lifeless baby on my chest. That's a lie. That's a lie and you know it. You killed your child, your baby is dead. That child is mine, you know what you did. You're Let lying. Let it go. Enough. Bring me a sword and bring me the child. Put the child right there. You say the living child is yours. You say the living child is yours. I shall cut the baby in two and give half to each mother. Wait, wait, she can have it. Just don't kill the baby. No, divide it, what are you doing? No, she can have it. Divide it, don't, don't kill the baby. You are the baby's true mother. Come on, give him a hand. <laughs> I said wow. Thank you guys so much. <laughs> we have an awesome youth group on Wednesday night. We teach everything from acting to word. Come on, we have a thank you guys so much. What you need to see is that it says in verse 16 that both of these women were harlots, prostitutes. And they basically, you, you would miss that in the whole looking at the, at the situation. And the fact that their husbands wasn't there, the fact that there was no witnesses there, and you could see in this situation that it was a hard situation to judge. But Solomon, just by looking at them, probably already knew. He probably already knew who was telling the truth, but he needed for everyone to know. And it was at this point that people really recognized the name of Solomon because the true mother did something. The true mother says, hey, give her the baby. You know, when I thought about this, I said, wow. I thought about mothers that have to give up their kids for adoption. You know, I have to counsel sometimes uh, kids that basically they, you know, they feel rejected because their mother had to give them up. But the truth is, is their mother actually loved them to carry them all of those nine months. And sometimes that mother fears that that child's life would be ripped apart if they do not give that child up for adoption. So for all those mothers who give their child up, Thank you. Thank you. The true mother, the real mother. It says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to skip this part, go ahead here. So true mothers are imperfect. 
Who here has a perfect mother? <gasps> no one raised their hand. See? I know it's shocking, but I made mistakes as a mother. I'm not perfect. And I, I was so glad when my son pointed out the mistakes I made. Mom, this bothered me. This did that. So I said, oh, my God, son. I'm so sorry that I did those things. I messed up. I was wrong. There's no excuse for that. There's no excuse. I can say, this is where mothers make the mistake. Well, you're not looking at what I did for you. You don't understand that I cooked for you, I cleaned for you, who wiped your behind when you were a baby, who did this for you, who did that for you, who got up in the middle of the night. That's not the time to do that. Nope. Made a mistake. I'm sorry. You know, one of the greatest, the greatest uh, was, uh, conventions that I went to was Joe Olstein's mother. We had all of these elegant people speaking and all of these doctorate degrees and all, nothing's wrong with that. But I'm going to tell you, the one that I got the most after was, out of was Joe Olstein's mother. She said, can I tell y'all preachers how to apologize? I'm sorry I was wrong. Please forgive me. I love you. I'm sorry I was wrong. Please forgive me. I love you. I'm not trying to make excuses. I messed up. So sometimes we can say, well, it's because this reason and that reason. You know what? I'm just sorry. I messed up. So real mothers are not perfect. Secondly, real mothers are compassionate. You see here in the story in verse 26, then the woman whose son was living spoke to the king for she yearned with compassion. I'm not going to let you kill my baby. I would rather you raise the baby. She yearned with compassion. And then the last thing is that real mothers are sacrificial. You see in this story, she was willing to sacrifice not having her son so that another person would raise her son or her daughter. We don't know what it was really just a child as the scripture says, but we know that she was willing to sacrifice so that her son would live or her child would live. So real mothers are not perfect. Real mothers are compassionate and real mothers are sacrificial. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I want to close with something. I want everybody to get this, start getting it ready because we're going to pass this out with the mothers. But I hope you got something from today's message. I thought, I thought this was uh, really interesting. Years ago, a woman wrote, she wrote a letter to a newspaper columnist expressing her frustration with the stereotypes of a housewife. And this is what she wrote. She said, I'm so tired of all those ignorant people who come up to my husband and ask him if his wife has a full-time job or if she's just a housewife. Here's my description. I'm a wife. I'm a mother. I'm a friend. I'm a confidant. I'm a personal advisor. I'm a lover. I'm a referee. I'm a peacemaker. I'm a housekeeper. I'm a laundress. I'm a chauffeur. 
I'm, I'm an interior decorator. I'm a gardener. I'm a painter. I'm a wallpaperer. I'm a dog groomer. I'm a veterinarian. I'm a manic manicurist. I'm a barber. I'm a seamstress, uh, appointment manager, financial planner, bookkeeper, money manager, personal secretary, teacher, disciplinarian, entertainer, um, psychoanalysis or nurse. I'm a diet diagnosis, whatever that is. How is that is? A, yeah, diagnostician. I'm a public relation expert. Uh, and she goes on and on. And after she gets to the thing, you know, then she says, basically, you know, I, I took out time to write you this letter. So basically, it would cost over $75,000 a year for what I do. At least. Now it's the price has gone way up, probably over $100,000, I would imagine, $200,000, way up there. All of these things she was, the speech therapist, the plumber, the everything else. She says, I want you to look. So all those stay-at-home moms, thank you. All those work-at-home moms, thank you. You're a real mother, and we appreciate you. Can I have somebody? Oh, there, thank you. Can you go ahead and start playing, Wes? We want to just go ahead and just get everyone to pass out. All the mothers, if y'all could come up, we're going to bless you today. We're going to bless you today. I want to be like the mother's king. You see, at that moment, at that moment, yeah, line up right across, line up right across. At that moment, When God saved, when Solomon saved the baby and the mother saved, that became the mother's king. The mother's king. And I want we can learn so much from that. We're going to go ahead and pass out all the gifts. Come on, we got a lot of wonderful mothers here. Y'all give them a hand. Wonderful mothers. Woo, we got a lot of mothers here today. This is awesome. This is awesome. We see. We love you. Father, we just thank you as you're passing all those gifts out. We just thank you for all these mothers, Lord God. Father, I thank you, God, that, that they are full of compassion, God, that they are full, Lord God, of sacrifice, God, that, that they're full of thanksgiving, God, for what you have done in their lives. And I pray, Father God, that they would know today that they are appreciated for all the work that they do, for every sacrifice that they've made, I pray, God, today that they would know that they are so appreciated, that they are so appreciated, God. And I pray, Father God, right now that you would just bless them, that you would bless every mother in this place and every mother watching online, that they would feel the strength and on high and no more conviction for the mistakes that they made because everybody makes mistakes and they can go on and hold their head up high they can go on God and I pray that you would pour into them today and bless them in Jesus name amen amen God bless you thank you for listening to the Encounter Church Sermon of the Week if you would like to learn more about us please visit EncounterJesus.us or search for Encounter Church San Leandro in your app store.